you look hard enough past the flashing lights and billboard signs, past the busy streets and suburban houses, you might find a little truth hidden inside a great song. To the bedroom music makers and garage wall shakers, to the cafe singers and travelling bands, to the street buskers and vinyl crate diggers, to big city dreams and small town life. This is Between the Houses. Hello and welcome to Between the Houses. My name's Dave and I'm here with Sam. Uh, this is episode six and uh, it's been a little while between drinks, but we're here and we're doing it. Um, glad to be back. Sam, how are you going? I'm good. I'm good. It has been a while. I think it's been like three or four months. Um, to people that have been waiting for this one, I hope there's some of you. <laughs> um, <laughs> apologies that it's been so long. I don't really have an excuse other than we've been rehearsing a lot. I think we've had a few other things on our mind. That That's probably why it's been a little while. But yeah, we've been rehearsing. The album's out. We're planning a tour. We're planning a tour. That's a yeah, lot of work. It takes a lot of work. The album's out. That's a big deal because this is the album was about to come out the last episode we put out. And um, that's obviously the record that we are basing all of these interviews around. It's yes. a really great feeling to finally have it out and, and people have been really kind about it and, and seem to be enjoying it. Um, and we really enjoyed making it. So it's such a good feeling to finally release those songs to the four winds. <laughs> and probably because... We've released the whole album. We haven't been rushing the, the episodes to chase the singles down. Yeah, so. It's a kind of at our leisure podcast, yeah. which is really unfortunate <laughs> for anyone that is eagerly following along. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and crack on a bit quicker with the next one. <laughs> but no, we've been, yeah, so we've been trying to get ready for this tour, which is a big deal because we haven't actually all played together, the five of us. For I think we worked it out. I think it's three years. I've been having nightmares, actually. <laughs> about going back on stage i don't know if i told you but at least one a week things like my guitar not having any strings or i had one the other night which was walking up on stage and thinking i had organized my pedal board this is every guitarist nightmare i reckon and then starting the first song realize i had no chorus and no tremolo which are very key effects for me (laughs) i woke up in a sweat it feels so. Oh, just I don't think terrible. I've ever had a had a nightmare like that. But I mean, there are things that you think about before going on the road, especially when it's been so long, and you're rehearsing together, hoping like, "Gee, I really want to try and put on a good show." There's a song that I am stepping out from behind the guitar for, isn't there, Dave? Yes. And I'm working out what I'm going to do with my hands and my body. You know, should <laughs> I move? Should I address the people? Can you please just do a full on Tom Jones and just. <laughs> Detach the uh, like your neck bone and throw your head around. That's an incredible video, isn't it? This is a video that I sent to Dave recently of Tom Jones singing. Uh, I think it's called Treat Her Right, and he just like rips this incredible dance in the middle of it. It's got all the energy of like a man that's just been hooked up to ten car batteries and just goes for it. Yeah, it's kind of Elvis on crack, isn't it? Like <laughs> really. Like, his neck is so loose. And he's, you know, going around, like, kissing sisters in the crowd, as you do if you're Tom Jones. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've never kissed two sisters before. <laughs> uh, you don't really see much of that anymore. But, yeah, it's it's really something, and I definitely recommend it. Yeah, man, we're really looking forward to this tour. It's been way too long since I've been up on a stage. And um, this tour should be good because we're hitting some really lovely theatres. We get to play the, the Palais in Melbourne. I don't, we've never played there before. It's one of the few venues that... I've always wanted to play it and we've never got to do a show there. So that's going to be a special one, I think. It's on September 2nd. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. That's a that's a bucket list venue for me, for sure. Am I right in thinking that venue was in danger at one point? Um, I know it had a like a really expensive... Going to be redeveloped yeah. or something. And then, and then someone bought it. I shouldn't talk about things I don't know, but... <laughs> I think there's a whole bunch of history... <laughs> I, think there, I think there is a lot of history. I, I do think it caught fire at one point, though. Sure. Yeah. One of those venues that I'm sure was, yeah, like a brothel at one point. And <laughs> I don't know about that. Since <laughs> <laughs> it killed a huge huh? brothel, if it was. <laughs> <laughs> a very grand brothel. We've played in some brothels before, haven't we? Not not when they were brothels, but we played. Remember that uh, there's a venue in Montreal that used to be a brothel, and all the all the backstage rooms were like you know the old rooms where where it all went down. You remember that place? 
Yeah, right. I don't remember that. I'm I'm thinking of the red light district in Germany. Yeah, Reeperbahn. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of Reeperbahn in Hamburg, which is uh, kind of hard to find a hotel, which is not. <laughs> that was a, quite a rude awakening, wasn't it, for a couple of kids from Croydon? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, where else are we playing? We'll we'll be at the State Theatre in yep. Sydney. Hopefully, at some point, if the plague doesn't have its way with our dates. We're playing Princess Theatre in Brisbane, uh, and then I think a few shows in Perth, Adelaide, and Hobart as well. So, we're kind of doing most of the major spots around the country, if we're able to. So, it's going to be great. I was caught in a crossfire. I was still as the night. You were an angel in the shed. When I saw the light. Today we're speaking with Swedish artist Amanda Bergman. She's so funny mm. and so good to talk yeah, to. Yeah, she really was. And you would have heard her voice just then. Um, she performs on a song called Crossfire from our most recent record. And I love that song. She's I actually first discovered her singing with First Aid Kit. And I think they're all good friends. And she was performing like a Christmas show with them. And um, I was totally blown away by her voice. It's mm. the smokiest, most yeah. velvety of voices. Similar to her talking voice, actually. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I felt quite harsh up against the tone of her voice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you felt that. You got you got kind of a nice radio voice, but Thank it you. was just like listening back to it. I was like, gee, man, it's just so harsh. But I, I think our singing voices work nicely together, so that, that was lucky. Yeah. Amanda plays in a Swedish band called Amazon, and they've released two full-length albums. They've got another one. On the way, they've actually won a Swedish Grammy for Album of the Year. There's a lot of very prestigious musicians in that band, one being Pontus Winberg, who's worked with like Britney Spears and Madonna and Kylie Minogue, and, and his brother Petter is actually Amanda's partner. But mm. she's also an amazing solo artist in her own right, and uh, she put out a record in 2016 called Docs that Dave and I are huge fans of. Um, and she was actually telling us, I don't think we ended up including it, but there is more solo music as well coming from her. And this conversation actually went away from music and, and went quite deeply into parenting. Mm. Uh, and we talked about balance and we really barely touched on the song we did together. So apologies yeah. for anyone that's looking for a deep dive into that song. It's just not really where the conversation went. But the thing that I've really been treasuring about all of these conversations is that they've been a little therapeutic in a way. And, and mm. I mean that kind of hearing these stories and, and how these artists navigate their different journeys, I feel like we kind of take away something every time that validates us. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Dave. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You'll hear Sam and I just gleaning as much information from Amanda as possible. She's uh, she's a mother of two, uh, as well as a, an amazing accomplished musician. She's, I feel like she's lived a thousand lives. She's very wise mm. and has a really profound outlook on protecting her balance between family life and musicianship. I almost feel like we completed this session with a parenting guru or counsellor or something. Yeah. Like she had such great insight and, and transparency about all of the struggles and things that we've certainly felt and experienced and, and the way that she was so honest about it and I, I thought it was really helpful and I hope it will be to other people listening as well. Yeah, there's definitely a thread forming between these podcasts because we're musicians speaking with other musicians, talking in a way that's almost therapy between us. Um, and we're asking questions that we want to know <laughs> that we're interested in. Yeah, so. it's more of a life chat than a music chat, I would say, but still mm. really a valuable topic for really any creative parents, especially. And that's right. There's still plenty that applies to trying to balance your work and family life. Yeah. So we drop into the conversation with her talking about the 16th century farm that her family now live on. Here's our chat with Amanda Bergman. It's been there since 1860. Wow. But that's the beauty of the wooden houses. You know, they could stand for so many, many, many hundred years if you just take care of them. They're the best. And especially... You know, back then, at least here in Sweden, like whatever trees they used back then and the quality of the timber was like nothing. Mm. I mean, you can't even find anything like that quality 
these days. Really old growth timber. Yeah, yeah really dense. Yeah. So yeah, the farm has been uh, in the same family from 1600 century to 2000. Wow. Yeah, so it's been well kept. And it was in good condition when you bought it? Yeah, yeah. that's the beauty of like in, in Sweden, we have this, um, oh, it's called Adel which was like the old rich guys who hung out with the kings. And there's always been this really, people have been really pissed about the fact that they are, they have this special rule called fidecomis, that uh, the oldest uh, boy in the family is always inheriting. Yeah. Like no matter what. But now they see that the properties that has been treated like this is the ones who has the the biggest values, like when it comes to nature, Mm. Like the big property has never been touched. They are like the one having the big old oaks. And like, so uh, people who own an inherited place, I think they gain a great respect for that place. So they don't mess it up. Yeah. What an amazing place to raise your family. Yeah, it is. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and are you living in, in like a small, is it, is the house kind of near a village or anything? It is in a village and the village consists of six farms. So six farmhouses. Uh-huh. So we're about 20 people here. Wow. And everyone kind of knows each other. And is there like a sense of community? There is actually. I mean, yeah. there has to be when you're when you're in such a... It's not remote mm-hmm. at all, but it's like nothing else around. And you have to have a good relationship with your neighbors or work on it. Yeah. And have the neighbors been very... Uh, hospitable and accommodating to you guys when you move yeah they've been amazing like also be all of them being older farmers so they are also so excited to share what they know and we've been so lucky so you have always grown up in the dalena area when you were young you were born there. yeah i was i was born in this uh, region but i was born like a little north of here and my parents still live there in, in that village but i couldn't find a house there so i had to move so you were wanting to move to where you grew up? Or? Yeah, I didn't really ever want to go away from there. But since we wanted a piece of land, we had to look elsewhere. Dalana means the valleys. So it's kind of a hilly type of landscape. <laughs> uh, it's quite cold. Which is why you have so many fireplaces. Yeah, there. I have a lot of fireplaces <laughs> in my house. That's true. Is it How far from, like, what's the closest major city? Oh, major city in Sweden. We have like three. <laughs> I mean, we're close to like small towns and that's 20 minutes of 25. So it's not yeah. so so bad. And then we have one hour, 45 minutes to Stockholm. So it's pretty convenient. Yeah. So the farm that you guys live on, it's actually a working farm, isn't it? I mean, we are the workers, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, sometimes people buy large plots of land and they call it a farm, but it's not really, they're not working the land, but you guys are actually working the land and growing things, aren't you? Yes, we, that was like our main condition. We actually said that, okay, so if we don't have the energy, we can just let someone else do the job. But I think both me and my partner, Peter, is uh, so stubborn. So (laughs) we do it ourselves until maybe we fall off the tractor and die. <laughs> no, but it's just, uh, we had it for five years and um, it's been growing on us ever since. I mean, we, we try to combine it, obviously, with being musicians and we still have some things to figure out. But I think it feels like a good way to do life. Mm. So it's been five years at the farm and who else lives there? Well, we have two kids, cool. Flora and Ivar. They are two and a half and four. That's great. Do the kids have jobs? Yeah. What are their jobs on the farm? Like move the move the sheep. Oh wow! They would help out with that. Uh, feed some chickens. Collect the eggs. That's fun. Yeah, that's true. They do that. I try to make them do more, but <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Like you can't really get so much out of a two year old. I'm afraid. <laughs> and pick the like you're growing vegetables or fruit there as well. Yeah, they go and and destroy some of the vegetables for sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Are you, are you getting any income from the farm or is it just... It's an expensive hobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, that's a big question because like having a farm, even if ours is like a 60 hectare farm, it's not like a big farm, but it's so much more than like a... It's not a garden. Yeah. Like it's a big place yeah. and we have these fields and we need all of this machinery. Mm. Um, and I think we decided quite early on not putting that 
so much of that stress load yeah. on us. Mm-hmm. So we make all of our money for music and whatever comes in goes out into a tractor or seeds or stuff like that. Yeah. And step yeah. by step, we're, we've been focusing so much on like the infrastructure of the farm so that if we want to step over from music to doing more of the farm work, maybe if we just do a little bit all the time, the yeah. step won't be too deep. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wanted to ask you about your family. Is there much music in your family? Like, no, I mean, yes and no. My parents always listen to music. I, I think that they, they are, they can like uh, hit a note, <laughs> but um, I don't have like a history of musicians in my family. Oh, oh yes, I do actually. I remember now, like my, my, um, my grandma, her dad was, mm-hmm. You know, they've been working in the church playing the organ. Yeah. That's the only thing. How did you discover your your own passion for music and what made you want to start writing or playing with other people? So I was uh, obviously very interested in music and listening and not to music myself. And I think that, you know, once you're like a teenager and you're exposed to to music and, and, and the culture around music, I've, I think it's like the thought is always very, very near mm. to anyone to just try out yeah. and, and make music yourself. I, I used to like fool around with music already when I was a kid, like writing songs about, you know, rabbits or like <laughs> typical Swedish dance mu- music songs. I would just like make things up yeah. um, for fun. So I, I had practiced a little bit before not really knowing. But so then when maybe I was maybe 16, 17, I started to write really, really bad songs. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? Like I, I had a, a little band for a short while with two other girls. We were just like singing, I guess, whiny love songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was a short episode, but very, very good. And then <laughs> I didn't have a band until I started. I was uh, invited to the band that I'm in now, which is called Amazon. Mm. So it wasn't up until that I, I did like everything solo. Wow. That's an existence I am not familiar with because my whole journey of music has been playing predominantly with bands. As long as I can remember sharing music with other people was what made music so exciting. I think it wasn't until a lot later that I started just writing my own songs and performing under my own name which didn't last very long <laughs> i remember seeing so dave used to play in a uh, a punk ska band do they have ska in sweden is that a genre oh yeah oh yeah yeah we were actually talking about their genre the other day that that's the only one that hasn't really changed yeah well dave's punk ska band they were very very good and i remember because i'm i was a few i still am a few years younger than dave and um we would go and watch his band play and it was like dave i don't know how you remember the shows from stage but from being in the crowd they were just mental and people were like you know the the skank pits they used to call it i don't know if, do they call it that over there <laughs> Skanking, I don't know. Skank pits. I, I think yeah, so. I, I mean, hope they did. Skank pit. Okay. Anyway, the the dance pits, if you will. Yeah. Were like really violent, and people were like throwing fists and legs everywhere. And Dave was up <laughs> on stage, you know, with his with his shirt off and like, you know, playing so hard he had like blood all over his guitar. <laughs> it was very cool. But you you've had a few different projects, Amanda. Like, because you played under Idiot Wind for a while. Yeah, I did. I was. I mean, I think that is my way of having uh, like the lack of not having a band to try out things with made yeah. me try out things with myself, <laughs> which is uh, which is not something I would ever recommend. Oh, really? Uh, it's. I think it's no. I think it's pretty painful. I think it's much more. It keeps you sane and 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 smarter and healthier if you do those stuff yep. together with other people. I think. Yeah. I think it's pretty hard to do do things like that yourself. It's easy to end up just being self-critical or worried yes. about things that you shouldn't really spend so much time worrying on. Yep. To be honest, it wasn't actually until I started to work with my band Amazon that I actually I finally came to a point where I realized like, okay, so I'm a musician, so I can 
just relax and be yeah. a musician. Yeah, it kind of takes the pressure off. Yeah, to just get it like an identity because I didn't ever think that I was going to work with music. So I think it took me a lot longer to just uh, accept the fact that that was the path that my life was <laughs> leading up towards and, um, and try to let go of, uh, of the doubt and the confusion yeah. and just start working instead. So when you were doing these solo projects, you weren't necessarily thinking, like at that stage, did you know that music was what you wanted to do or was it just something you were kind of doing for fun? Definitely so. Like, especially in the beginning, I didn't even, I wasn't aware of what it could mean to put out music. So I just put out some music and I got some attention and it it kind of went quite fast into a point where I was quitting studying and and playing shows. And in hindsight, it wasn't like I should have backed off because I did a lot of things like, you know, if I think back on that time, it's like, oh my God, (laughs) Uh, it was not a good time. Like I did, I didn't have so many songs, for instance. So if someone asked me to play, they say, okay, so how long am I going to play? Okay, so uh, play for half an hour. I said, okay, I have four songs. <laughs> like, okay, but I have to play more songs. So I would go up on stage instead of saying like, no, I don't have any more songs. I'm sorry. What can we do? Yes. I went up on stage and, and tried to make up songs. <laughs> 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 oh God. Such like, you know, I just get anxious thinking about the shame all of that shame <laughs> that was just raining down on me. It took like, it took so many years to process what I was just <laughs> putting myself up to. Like I still, you know, it has taken me 34 years to know how I can say no to anything. Like I yeah, didn't, yeah. like, yeah. So I was putting myself in so bad situations. It was crazy. And you crazy. were just playing like chords from another song and just yeah I don't I don't even I don't even want to think about like what I did (laughs) in awful that's that's one of the most amazing things I've I've ever heard a musician say is that they would rather make up songs (laughs) on stage than just get off the stage I wouldn't ever do that now back then I didn't I know I, I mean I was new I didn't really know how how it was like to play a show. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no wonder you. I spent so many years in anxiety and, <laughs> and feeling bad. You didn't have any covers, any cover songs up your sleeve. I couldn't really. I mean, I I'm not an instrumentalist. Like I can sing yeah. and I can mm-hmm. write, but I, I can't even like I can play. Yeah. And especially back then, I couldn't. I don't know. Like it's a blank. It's a blank. Yeah. <laughs> Did you do much touring when you were performing early on as a solo artist? Not not a lot, but uh, I did, like in in Europe. And I was also in the States a little bit. How old were you when you started touring? 20, 21. Okay. And how did you find it, kind of being out on the road for the first time and I guess playing outside of Sweden? Great. Yeah. Especially when you're that young. I mean, there's nothing better you can do. Like, it's perfect for when you're 20 and you have no other responsibilities in life yeah and it's a good idea to be on the road you've got no one to miss Um, back at home no 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 then it's just amazing it gets more complicated the older you get yeah how so i mean so many things happen i mean it's it's kind of obvious like if you have uh relations or partners if you have kids you start to put other things in priority than maybe yourself Mm-hmm. And your own egotistical <laughs> activities. <laughs> uh, also, when when you tour a lot, I guess you've done that too so much. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it requires a lot from you to stay healthy, and you have to find like, I mean, you can you can stay up all night and, and do the typical things when you're twenty twenty five, but. Uh, mm. You, you can't once you get older and then then you have to find another structure and it can be amazing and beautiful. But I think you have to defend going away from your home in a whole mm. other way when you're older. Mm. You have to hold back the record label. Yeah. Stop. I will not tour for 10 weeks. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> I'm a human being. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I try to stay out of that business for that reason, to be able to decide for myself 
even if that would mean less success, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would at least uh, still have the chance to say yes or no to, I'd like to have control over the situation like that. Yeah. So how did you go from sort of being this solo act and, and under the different names that you had to then playing in Amazon? You said that you were invited to join the band. How did that happen? So there's a guy in, in that band called Pontus Finbe, who's a producer and songwriter, and he's very he has a very active brain and has a lot of energy and can is very good at initiating stuff. And uh, he, like already maybe 2010, when I was just starting out, like I, I got some emails from him or actually on MySpace. That's, that was around <laughs> back then. So I, I, he he messaged me a few times and I, I just, uh, you know, I clicked on his profile and, and it said like a Britney Spears producer. So I was just like, oh, this has to be like a spam, spam yeah. or something. Like it, has, <laughs> yeah. it has to be something wrong with it. As I de- didn't ever answer. But then he, he started to call me instead and uh, he became a really close friend and uh, some kind of a mentor for me in mm-hmm. in the music world. And uh, we we did make some music early on, but we always said like, okay, so we're going to start a band at some point. And then just, uh, I think it was 2012, he just called me and said like, okay, so now I have a band for for us and I booked a session. Can you come? And I went there and when we were at the studio session, he told us, so I have booked like two shows for us. And it wasn't like these small shows. It was like proper shows. So he, he kind of made, you know, normally maybe we just had like one session and not, nothing else would happen. But he really made sure that the band was actually starting and taking shape. Yeah. And was uh, was Peter in the band then? Yeah. So Peter is his brother. Oh, his brother. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he got me a band and he got me a man. <laughs> so it's very good. I owe him so much. <laughs> wow. So... I mean, I'm not sure how long you and, and Peter have been together for, but did you play in the band together a while before kind of being a couple? Oh, yes. So we met in the band and we and we became friends and there was nothing else yeah. for quite a while mm-hmm. because I was married and he was practically also married. <laughs> so it's very different situations. Yeah, very different situations. But we, we liked each other, obviously. And then... Um, I got divorced and uh, some year after that, we realized that we could uh, maybe be together. Yeah. I mean, we're parents playing in the same band. It's very inconvenient. (laughs) Yes. I can't imagine. Because we've talked about that before, like (laughs) the difficulty in in having your partner also be a musician and kind of both chasing that dream and being passionate about that. Sometimes I I imagine would make it challenging for the relationship, especially when there's touring involved and things like that. I mean, I've I've never like I was married to a musician before, so I, I've mostly had that types of relationship, and I I just think it's great. Like I see so many advantages mm-hmm. with that. The good thing about it is that you need to keep your relation healthy in order to be able to work together, because otherwise, I mean it doesn't work like so it gives you a lot of uh it puts a lot of pressure on the relationship and if you use that well like if you put a lot of energy into your relationship then it's actually great that you have the same job you can see each other so much you don't have to fight about who's doing what like that's the 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 upside of us being in a band even it's really really messy mm-hmm. but when we go away, we go away in the, on the same conditions. Yeah. You just have to find a way to decipher it and and see like, okay, what could be the potential? Yeah. It makes it sound, I make it sound easy. It's not, but mm. I just think that there are many advantages to have a partner who has the same job because you have an insight. Yeah. Well, we were just, Sam and I were just talking before about, uh, Neither of our wives are musicians, but we often wonder how two musicians being together, their their depth of understanding for the time and the space you need for creativity and each other's identity and what music means. Yeah, I think that's um, that's definitely true. Both of us know what what is required, but then it's also easier to put pressure on the other one, like 
you know, knowing that, okay, you can sit around and you could work all day, all night with music, but that wouldn't ever work out in having like a family life. Yeah. We try to make it as unromantic as possible. You know, we wake up in like when we have studio months yeah. that we call it, mm -hmm. then it's just like, okay, nine to four, yep. nine to four, nine to four. And who looks after and the kids? What? We have kindergarten four days a week. So that's when we have time to, to work. Yeah. So you've got to block out those. These are our studio days. We can come in on these yeah, days. Yeah, exactly. And because and we're both the parents. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we, we have a studio at home. Yeah. Like we have everything in our house. And then of course we have to go away sometimes on recordings and stuff. Yeah. I can't believe you had two kids in two years because I, there's a lot of parents who think even before their children are born that, you know, when my child comes along, they'll just fit into whatever I'm doing. If that's touring or traveling or whatever, you don't know what your child is going to be like yeah. until you meet them. So that's one thing with our generation that we've been kind of brought up by our parents thinking that you know we have all kinds of opportunities we can do anything with our life and sometimes i think that when we actually become parents we we have a feeling or we have a sense that it shouldn't or it won't affect our lives and i think that's a big misconception i mean it does mm. and i think it's a it might be a wiser standpoint to just you have to adapt to what your kids' needs and wants are because mm. otherwise maybe you shouldn't try to have kids <laughs> if yeah. you're not prepared to change your life. Yeah. But of course, I mean, it's it's never easy. I mean, people have the jobs that they have and especially being a musician, you might have invested so much time and building up a career and you can't just stop, of course, when you have kids. But yeah, I also had an idea of... Yeah, but we can just bring the kids, but it's not that easy. It wouldn't be their choice mm, always. Yeah. It doesn't serve you either as a parent in the end, mm. because you feel that you're actually putting them in situations that are not safe for them. Yeah. And your pursuit becomes unenjoyable or stressful or not rewarding because you're uh, being pulled in another direction, which is the right thing. Yeah. Is. I mean, you after all, you're supposed to have... I mean, we've been just leaving our kids at home. Them screaming after us is hard. Yeah. And but they're supposed to react that way. And we're supposed to feel shitty about leaving them. That's how nature intended. <laughs> That's like yeah. it, it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to hurt when you leave them. And you're supposed to question yourself and what you're doing. Like that's just a, a part of being a parent. So it, it has been many, many times during these small four years that I've been a parent that I've definitely thought like, is music so important to me? Can I justify my wants and my dreams and my needs in music? You seem like a great mom. Yes, that's exactly what oh. I was thinking. <laughs> you really do. Thank you. <laughs> I, love, I absolutely oh. love your thoughts around parenting and misconceptions. Yes. I love it. Oh, thank you. It makes me really happy to hear because it's uh, everybody who's a parent knows that it's not an easy job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good that you don't know it beforehand, what it's like, like how challenging it is. Yeah. I. It is the most hands down i think it's the most difficult and the most important job i've ever had mm. yeah i think it finally maybe it can turn you into a decent human being <laughs> sometimes brings out the best and the worst i think yeah because you can get so stressed like i've been i've been spending so much time being stressed about oh my god it's been like three years four years since i last released music i have to I have to release music, I have to write, I have to produce. But I forget the fact that I just like produced two kids. Yeah. And I I'm in a in a phase of my life where I'm supposed to have 
the maximum of energy. Most people, when they are between their 30s and 40s, they have small kids. They might be renovating a house, buying a house yeah. like we did, buy a farm. Mm-hmm. You, you have like, is this one 10 decade in life where you still have enough vitality to to go through crazy things and not die uh, (laughs) from a heart attack Uh, but there's so much going on anyway in life so maybe maybe you just have to face it and just like okay take a break deal with your worries and your fear of disappearing as a human being being a parent like that that's what you should focus on then if you're so scared because you put yourself in a situation that's unbearable Mm. like it's horrible to try to be a parent and be efficient and be expecting to be able to work in the same pace as you did prior to not sleeping prior to not having someone taking up so much of your energetic space like you are under a constant uh, stress in some way and uh, it took me so long (laughs) to realize that it took me at least two three years before I actually realized like oh I became a parent yeah I have to adapt to that situation or I will probably go under because uh, it's impossible like yeah. if, at least for me, I was already tired from touring and overworked when I had kids. Like my brain was not in a good shape when I mm. got pregnant and when I was like breastfeeding, you know, being a woman, your hormones are completely out of balance. Like you, it's like a roller coaster. You have, there's no way you can control how you're going to react to that situation. And mm. I, for me, at least the only solution is kind of, step by step letting go of your fixed ideas yeah like okay can i lower my expectations even more because that's what's gonna save me in this situation like and that goes for producing an album yeah or even getting through a day yes yeah yeah sounds like a big punishment having kids (laughs) it's not what i'm wanting to say but i think like parents can relate to i mean it's obvious that we're happy for our kids we love them and we want to give them the best you know, possible upbringing. Just want to yeah. be clear that we're talking about the challenges, yeah. not, not yeah. the yeah. No, no. upsides. Well, I don't know about our listeners, but Sam and I, for sure, we're just soaking this oh, up because... I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. There's not a lot of talk about parenting and touring and, and how you can make that work. And it, it seems like you guys are doing it and... and just from hearing about the way things run for you both. And, and I don't know your, your outlook on being parents, but also being you know a musician. I, I just find that really refreshing and honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's not a, uh, like, I've never heard people talk about it so much. So I would love to hear other people's view upon it because uh, there's not like one recipe that is good. Maybe we should rename our podcast because a few, a few people we've spoken to are... Parents, it's so interesting but... also that you're it's so good that you're talking about this thing because it's also like the I think that one of the reasons why it hasn't been talked about so much before is because I mean it's been men touring mm, that's right for yeah. so many decades and now when parenting is getting into another phase where you as 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 fathers are you're also parents. Yeah. People have been fine with the fact that the the fathers have just disappeared for a few weeks and that was the solution yeah Yeah. and and it's been like that for a long time you Mm. know the men would go off on tour for months on end and that was sort of socially acceptable that the women would be at home with the kids sort of left alone during that time and then this day and age when you kind of have the reverse of of women who are wanting to tour and who are also mothers there's still a little bit of friction and conflict around the concept that particularly male partners would stop their line of work and stay home and take care of the kids. I mean, that's not everyone. There's plenty of musicians uh, and and women that have amazing supportive partners that would do that. But, Mm. you know, I still think that there is a little bit of taboo around touring mothers and and it's just not talked about enough. And Mm. even the industry itself, I think, isn't incredibly supportive of mothers. I mean, they kind of champion young women who are hardworking and, and sort of, have something going at that time, but then it hits a certain point where they're not really interested in the struggles and the hardships of, of being a touring mother. And also 
just not really putting forward any examples for other women mm. of how that works. You're sort of left condemned either way as a mother on tour because you're either taking your kids and, and sort of being judged for that lifestyle or you're keeping them at home and, and being judged for going away. Mm, mm, I know. There's just not a lot of examples yet. I think we need to have like uh, more like people choosing to, to bring their kids on tour, yeah. people choosing to to stop, to stay at home and to like just see and how do you say knowledge? Acknowledge. Yeah, that there are so many different solutions and they can all be good and it's all up to you and your family and your kids yeah yeah and i think i mean hopefully it's changing and the conversations are being had more and i think i know for sam and i i would like to think we're pretty active dads and you know my wife and i definitely co-parent i work start of the week she works the end of the week Mm. so when i go away on tour it's devastating to our family because that takes half of the parent is gone. Mm. So she she suddenly is doing 100% of the work where she would have done 50%. Mm. So, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah, it is. It is. And especially, like, it's such a complex uh, question because it, it relies so much on what opportunities you have in your family. Mm. Like, do you have money or don't you? Yeah. Or what what types of job do you have? Like, can you give the other yeah. the other parent space to do the same thing? In many relationships, you can talk about like it doesn't have to be exactly fair. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some people really rely on like two days for you, two days for me. Mm. But at the end of the day, like it has to be somewhat somewhat close to fair yeah because it's not like the quality time you spend with your kids you realize that quite quickly Mm -hmm. when you have kids it's the quantity like how much are you actually there Mm. like how many hours are you spending with them that's what's going to matter in in the end yeah and so but i think also again like just resisting I think we we talked a lot about that in, in Amazon as well. Like the the fact that okay, so if you release an album and you and you do an interview and, and or if you read interviews for that matter as well, like there's so many cases of these questions. Like why did it take you so long? Four or five years. Mm. Like we have this, and it doesn't serve us as um, musicians to have this idolization of productivity. Yes. Like oh, wow, he did two albums in one year. I think that gets into our brain also that we we stress so much about, as I said, like it took me so long to just realize like, okay, I can make music for all of my life if I live well. And if I, I mean, you think that there's one situation that you need to grab. And I think it's sometimes important yeah, to yeah. just try to get away from that thought. Like, Yeah, if you can get out of that whirlpool about where you feel like you need to remain relevant, if you can pull yourself out of that and realize that you can make great music at any point in your life, then that's that's what you need. Mm. All the musicians that I know that I talk with are constantly under that stress. Doesn't matter if they're mm. like touring the world or if they are like a, a smaller act. It's something, it's some kind of frequency that gets into your brain once you start being a musician. Like the fact that you are you can be constantly judged for your work and you have to mm. like get a new chance to do something really, really good. And like it's mm. that stress is sometimes dangerous because it can put us in a situation where we make choices that is not like wise yeah. for the rest of our lives. Like it could be a wise choice for for our music part of life, but uh, yeah. it will be devastating for everything else. And then it's so important to have like record labels and management. For instance, if you have a record label or a management, like you are employing them. Yeah. It's so easy to to feel the opposite. Yeah. Like, okay, so yeah. my management is bugging me not about yes. not going on tour. It's like, fuck off. I, I have to live a life yeah. or else I won't, I can tour for two years and then I will be burned out. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. how many tours I've lost to, having to cancel due to being burnt out like that also costs money yeah (laughs) it costs a lot well i actually wanted to ask you about that because we were listening to um dave and i listened to that podcast you did with laura beers which is another great podcast because she's you know talking to uh fellow mothers who are also musicians and you spoke 
in that podcast about, um, yeah, sort of being burnt out. I, I think it was maybe you said like 2016 or something um, or 2015. You, just, you sort of felt that you were completely burned out. Oh, by yes. I think that has happened a few times. So again, it's the kind of the same thing as we were talking about just before. Like if you're open to pressure, then you can take mm-hmm. on, there's no end to how much pressure you can uh, put on yourself yeah. if you're a musician. Like, and is that what was kind of happening to you back then? Like you just were putting that all that pressure on yourself? Uh, yes, definitely. But it was also due to the fact that I was, uh, I was touring nonstop without being like in um, mm-hmm. good shape mentally. So it got so far. So I just like, I remember the last month of touring, I was like, I was just crying every day for no reason. Like I just cried, 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 cried. My, I, I was completely out. Mm. And it's important to work with the kind of people who also see your well-being as an asset. Like yeah. if you're in a good place, if you're feeling good, then that's sustainable. That can make you support yourself financially and maybe them as well for a long time. Like there's people who take that in consideration mm. is good people to work with Mm. and people who don't are maybe not as good (laughs) (laughs) was that your situation like were you not working with people that were looking out for your well-being Um, back then yeah a little bit but I want to point out again like at the end of the day I'm responsible but sometimes it's really hard like for instance that tour that I was talking about that led up to the collapse I try to say no to that Mm -hmm. tour like many times I don't know in what other way I could say no than what I did. I tried many, many ways. Mm-hmm. And and uh, there was most like, okay, this is the last thing of the year. This is what finally is going to pay off for what we've done throughout yeah. the whole year. Was that what you were telling yourself or is that what they were telling you? That's what people were telling me at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, what do you say then? Do you mm. deny your friends their paycheck? No. I mean, you have to be loyal to the people you work with and that has like that experience and many other experience had made me realize that you have to know how you say yes and no to things like because that's the thing with music you say you say yes and no to a tour coming up maybe a year later like there's no way you can know what's going to go on in your life then mm. and i hate that thing about my work yeah because uh, it's really hard to and like also with your partner like okay so you know may next year what are we doing can i go on tour (laughs) it's like um that's a complicating thing yeah and uh it has happened to me so many times that i say yes to stuff that is uh, hurtful to me in the end so um, we have to be just more careful yeah for instance that tour made me be very very sick for a year mm. it made me have to cancel two more tours so mm. it taught me a lot but it's just like it's not a good way to go it's unfortunately it's so common for us as musicians yeah to to push ourselves beyond what's healthy for us definitely mentally. yes because we're constantly moving towards the next level of success or the next achievement and so when a when something like a tour or an album or the next cycle the touring cycle is put before you how can you say no when Mm. that that's everything you're working for and so when to say no to something feels like that could build on to the next thing Mm. so if i'm saying no to that i could actually be going backwards not just staying here it could actually be sending me in the other direction exactly we're constantly pushing constantly pushing and we've wrestled with that a lot. I mean, mm. what's your best um, advice about all of this? Well, our, our our bass player has just moved back to Perth, which is on the other side of the country, um, with his family, essentially to be able to do this band better, um, because they both were from Perth and they moved to Melbourne when they were young and have been living here without any family support and touring. They have four kids at home and touring. Essentially, it was his wife at home with four kids while he was away on tour, and it was just too much, too hard. Yeah, yeah. And they finally decided to move to the other side of the country, which initially we were like, that's going to be quite a a blow to the band not having you around Mm. like we usually would. But then he explained to us that the reason they were doing it was because they 
they wanted to keep doing this band and, and they needed just that extra support, that family support. I think that's, that's beautiful. my advice or, or what I've found is the importance of family, not just your own insular family and not just you and your partner and, and your kids, but having other people around you. Because as you said, Dave, when you leave and you kind of take away that partnership, you've got to have support. Otherwise, it's just going to fall apart eventually. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... I would say mitigate expectation. I think for both yourself being away and whoever you're leaving behind, you need to understand the risks and the sacrifice put on both people Mm. and communicate that before you leave. I think our band's been together for 10 years now and every tour is is like, it doesn't get harder and harder, but in the long run it it has, I think, as we've had more kids, but... It's like one step forward, two steps back. We'll have a really good tour and we've learned our lessons and we've communicated well. Mm. And then the tour after that will be really hard. And the tour after that will be really even harder. And then we learn another Mm. lesson Mm. and then we keep going. Mm. So I I think, I'll be honest, I I think there's, Mm. I've done damage probably to myself and and my relationship Mm. with my wife because I think we've just expected that it'll be fine. Mm. And then I'm away for four weeks and it's two weeks too long. Mm. Yeah. You know, it, it should have only been three or. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think that the industry and the labels and the management, like I haven't seen them doing their job well yet. Like they should be taking responsibility for much more for the mental health of the artist and the abilities to have like a proper life with yeah. a family, if that is what you're wishing for. I think that um, there's so much more work to be done from their side also to, mm. to learn and to listen and to build up a structure. And like, I mean, we should ask for that help a lot more Yes, and not leave that issue with ourselves, yeah. leaving us in a position where we are like fighting the labels and the management that should be helping us <laughs> instead. Yeah. yeah. So we have to ask for help. Yeah. I really love the idea of how Amazon works. The picture that I'm getting of how you guys function as a band, prioritizing family. It sounds really, really cool. And don't get me wrong, for anyone listening, touring is great. Yes. Uh, and performing is amazing. This is is really good. I, what I'm hearing here is three musicians talking about <laughs> balance. We're talking yes, about balance exactly. between yeah. I mean, what we absolutely love doing and we're sold out to doing, which is performing, making music and touring, but also living in reality of our other passions and, and our love and for family and, and priorities mm. and responsibility. Definitely. I, I agree with you. I realized, Amanda, we hadn't even talked about the fact that we did a song together. Yes. <laughs> yeah. really just to say thank you for being on that song because your performance was really something (laughs) wow thank you well it's such a such an honor i'm just super happy that you reached out like it was an instant yes i knew about your music also so it was pretty easy and also i mean i thought about my sister she <laughs> she, she i know she listens to your music oh, so great. she would be really really happy well love to you and love to your family and uh hopefully see you soon i hope so too take care bye talk 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 <laughs> bye <laughs>